one of those moments where you're like, okay, Lord, here's my two fish and loaves of bread. You've got to do something. And um, uh, that's what I'm going to try to do today and be able to uh, lead us and guide us. And um, there is totally, this is uh, some work that I have done from my past. And so, um, sorry if you heard some of it before. Um, and those that are at home, uh, I'm not sure if my mom's watching, but hey, mom. Uh, sent a text to her this morning to say I could use some prayer this morning as we, uh, we get going. Uh, in, in Luke chapter 11, uh, verse 1, the disciples had been, at this point, they've been watching Jesus for a while and uh, they turned to Jesus. Well, let, let me read it and then I'll, I'll, I'll share something. It says this, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and he finished, sorry, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples to pray. They had been watching Jesus for some time. It's important to remember these were men who knew how to pray. They were Jewish. They were rooted in it. It was part of their ritual and routine. They, they knew how to pray. They didn't come asking him, Lord, we have no idea how to pray. They knew how to pray. But there was something different about Jesus that attracted them in the first place to him. And they, they watched him pray and they said, that's different. And so they, like any one of us, we want that. Would you, would you teach us? Now, I also think there's another side, which most people never talk about, but let's just ask the question anyways, because that's the good side. That's the good stuff. But notice the line at the end of verse one, it says that John, just as John taught his disciples, well, we want to be better than John's disciples. And John, Jesus taught them, so why don't you teach us so we're better than them? So there's probably a little bit of self-righteousness and a little bit of power struggle that, that we all deal with. You know, we all hope to, when we're trying to figure out how to pray, am I doing it right? We're all hoping, looking for like, let's put the quarter in the machine and pull the bar down and hope we get the jackpot. God obeys us because somehow we know what's better. There's a little bit of that within all of us. And I think it was for the disciples, but the good part is, Christ isn't really concerned about that. And what he does is he goes and he teaches us the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer, you can read it in Luke 11. There's different versions in Matthew. And, and, and the church has developed this tradition over history of, of repeating it and sharing it. And it becoming part of the culture and the rhythms of our life. It's something over the last um, probably 15 years in my life that, has, that the Lord's Prayer has become something that um, I use often. Those moments when I just don't know what to say. I just, I'll pray that. Get up in the morning. It'll be part of that prayer or throughout the day. And trust me, there's moments I don't know what to pray. By the way, if you use the Lord's Prayer when you're praying with somebody, you look like a genius. Because nobody knows a clue what we're doing, right? So you just use the Lord's Prayer and pray that over somebody. And you have all these fancy words. You can be like, Jesus taught us to do that. I'm just going to do what Jesus did. And you look smart. So don't. You know, put it down, but follow it. Use the example that, that he gives in the midst of our life. Prayer is an interesting thing. And, and just a bit of my, my journey, some of you know that um, 
who recently stepped down uh, last December, beginning of January from pastoring. We were in the pastoral ministry for 20 years and now we're trying to figure out how to do ministry different since we've stepped back from that and do it in a different way, try to figure out how do we, you know, provide income in my family and, and, and develop those, those sources. And, and one of the things is, my, my, you have to say my whole life was wrapped around the church as I, in the culture and the role as a pastor and so was my prayer life. And so now in the midst of this season that I'm in, there's a relearning as I wrestle with how do I lead my family? How do I lead myself? Who am I? As I, as I wrestle with that, and my prayer life, which was very much around the rhythm of the church and interactions, how do I pray again? And trust me, I've been like doing this for a long time, but all the rhythms got messed up in my life. And now I'm trying to figure out how do I do this? And so I go back to some of the basics and try to not get fancy and try to understand what the scriptures teach us and what do they, they call us to. And, and as I share today, I want you to understand something. This isn't me coming as an expert. I'm figuring this out and trying to understand it and trying to live it. And that's what we do together as a community. We don't have all the answers, but we journey together. There's an, a, a book called The Intercessory Prayer. And the author writes this uh, in that book. He, he, uh, the author gives a definition about, about prayer. Prayer is a lot of things. It is praise, it's thanksgiving, confession, contemplation, it's communion. Simply being with Christ. Deliberately recognizing and cultivating awareness of his presence. But at the core, at the core, it's petition and intercession. Now, a number of years ago, when I first did all the research for the sermon, I had walked through the book of Acts. And one of the questions I asked was, okay, Luke 11, the disciples say, teach us how to pray. So he, Jesus teaches them, walks with them, he dies, he raises from the dead. And then we get to the book of Acts, and it's the life of the church. So how did the life of the church, those disciples, live out what Jesus taught them? And so I, I, I sat down with a paper and a pen and, and walked through the book of Acts and just wrote down everything that talked about prayer. How does that affect my life? What, what is, how do we live and, and do prayer, prayer today? It's very different. We're in a different context than they were in, in the church. And I want to read just a few of the passages. We can't go through them all today. But let me just read a few of the passages out of Acts that talk about prayer. And then I want to be able to ask the question and give a few points on, on what can we learn about prayer for us as a community, us as individuals, and moving forward from what the disciples learned and how they lived it out. So if you, if you have... Uh, your Bible, you can read along with me, and we're going to start in Acts chapter 1. If you're not sure where the book of Acts is, table of contents is the best friend you have in your Bible to, next to Jesus. And so um, take a look at the table of contents. Acts starts with A, so it's literally right at the top, you, and you can get there pretty quick. And so you find the book of Acts. We're going to find chapter 1, and I'm going to read verse 13 to 14. When they arrived, this is the disciples, when they arrived, they went up to upstairs, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. 
Here are the names of those who are present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip. It's all the, the 12 disciples. They're there. Verse 14. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and several other women and the brothers of Jesus. It's important to recognize there that it's highlighting the disciples, but there's a larger group. The disciples always get the praise. You know, the people on the stage and up front, those, those everybody sees. But there's a whole community around them that's doing some wonderful things. That's part of it. And they had this regular pattern of, of gathering. If you flip a couple pages uh, to the right or scroll or push the button, depending on what you're using, uh, Acts chapter 4. Let's go to Acts chapter 4. This is a longer passage, but I want to just read one of the prayers of the church. And, and this comes on the heel. Peter and John have been in some trouble with the local law enforcement and they were beaten, a whole bunch of issues that took place there. But they come back and they report about what happened and what God did. So listen to these words. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 24. Uh, when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. And here's what they said. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings, verse 26, the kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord, against the Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod and Pontius Pilate, the governor of the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus your holy servant whom you anointed. It's kind of funny. It sounds like as they're praying, they're just reading a history lesson here. Verse 28, but everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats. Give us your servants. Give us your servants. Great boldness in preaching the word. This is what they're requesting in the midst of the persecution. Give us boldness. Verse 30, stretch out your hand with healing power. And may miracles and signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then this crazy thing happened in verse 31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were filled with the spirit and they preached the word with, of God with boldness. Flip a few more pages, Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Among the prophets... And the teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria, Barnabas and Simon. And another man, childhood, another childhood companion. You can read the names. I messed the names up, so I'll skip to verse 2. Uh, one day, as, they, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, notice the connection of, music, of, of worshiping, some kind of song. We're not really sure what's involved in worshiping. There's prayer, there's fasting. We know what that is. But as they're doing that, verse 2, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on these men and sent them off. And then the last verse I'll read is from Acts chapter 16. Acts, Acts chapter 16. Verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. We sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. So what can we learn 
That's like super fast highlight view of a few passages out of the book of Acts. But what can we learn from the early church as they listened to Jesus who taught them how to pray? As we, we look at their life, let me share a couple of things. One is this, is that they had special times of prayer. There was occasions, we, we know that they stayed connected to some of the Jewish festivals. We know that Paul uh, practiced the Day of Atonement and fasting and some of the things that, that went around that as a, a moment to worship and connect with Jesus. We also know that some of their special moments of prayer took place in the midst of chaos and craziness going on in life, persecution. The Acts chapter 4 passage. Because of persecution, as they hear the response of Peter and John, it drives them to pray and they ask for God for help and they spend the night praying. There's a few other examples you can read as well throughout Scripture. Something happens, what do we do? I don't know. Ever been in that moment? You just don't know what to do? You ever sat with somebody and they talk about their bad day or maybe on a Sunday morning someone will say, man, it's been a bad week. Oh, and we're just like, I don't know what to do there. I think there's something here. What if we just prayed? What if we just said, I don't have a clue how to help you? Or what if we just said, I don't have a clue what we're supposed to do right now? How about we just pray? And let's see where we go from there. At least let that be a starting place. And see what the Spirit says and see what, what ideas start to come because of that. So there's these gatherings that take place. And we, we do some of that still to this day. Next we see is what I've just entitled is, is the daily life. It was just part of who they were. It's not some add-on for the disciples, for the community. This is just part of who we are. It's part of our life. It's, it's part of the, the, the daily rhythms that we do. We know that the apostles kept, kept what we might call um, today the daily office. We see them first doing it. They, they continued after the resurrection of Christ going to the temple for the daily prayers. Later on, we see Peter and, and um, some of the other disciples, we see it with Saul as well, spending certain periods of time in the day. There's, there's a moment where Peter goes up on our roof to pray. It was a regular practice. Today we call it the word, we'd use, they didn't use this word, today we would call it daily offices. And, 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 and that idea is that there's throughout the day, there's set times. And it's something that I, I practiced in my uh, life um, as a pastor is having some set times of prayer. And then that, and this happens anytime you get changed, just so you know, like COVID, change. So it throws all our rhythms off. Our spiritual practices are all tossed out the window and we're having to regroup and, and, and reestablish and maybe we get to relearn how to do it. And that's what I've experienced. You know, I had these, these moments. One of the things I, I loved, uh, I would show up to the church early for two reasons. One, I just needed to be prepared and ready when I was pastoring. But the other thing, you know what I loved being able to do is come into the sanctuary and I would just sit and seek the presence of God. And sometimes it was like, Lord, I don't know how today's gonna go. And it was a moment of quietness. Sometimes I'm sure like the neighbors thought, what the heck is going on? Because no one's around. So I'd put this, the music on and just turn the speakers up blaring. Pretty sure you heard them outside. And I just enjoy those moments. And, and one of the things is now that I'm not doing, uh, do, uh, pastoring anymore is I'm like, man, I kind of miss that. And so, but one of the good things First off, I'll say this, is Sunday mornings are really weird for me now. But one of, one of, the, one of the good things that, 
uh, has developed is God's blessed me with kids that sleep in. Uh, generally, my eight-year-old gets up pretty early, but he, he generally will, will stay in his room and play, which is great. And now I just kind of have this moment on Sundays of my coffee and just kind of sit and reflect on my week. And sometimes it's music, sometimes it's scripture reading. But there's a practice that's starting to redevelop in my life. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but, it's, but, but there's, a, there's a goodness that comes with those practices and those rhythms, specific times. By the way, what we see too is what do they look like? What words did they use? Well, they were spontaneous. And they were also liturgical. They were, they were written. They used the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms was the, the prayer and praise book for Jesus. And so that's what they used. For decades, it was the church would literally sing the Psalms. Like I would love to get Steve up here and be like, hey, sing Psalm 23 or 54. Just like go do it. You know, let's just test his musical abilities out. Because <laughs> sometimes I wonder, like, what did it sound like? Most of a lot of our songs are written out of scripture, which is great. They help guide us, but the Psalms are guided their, their prayer life. The next thing that we see, how did they pray? How did this work out? Is we see that, that uh, prayer often was preceded by a move of God. Often before God would move, and, and you see it in the life of Jesus. If you look enough in the scriptures, a lot of times he pulls away, prays, and something happens. Not always, but often. And we see that in the scriptures. They pray, the earth shakes. They don't know what to do. They pray and God, God guides them. They're in the midst of a prayer meeting because it's just part of the regular. They're not gathering, looking for anything. But God speaks to the community. One of the passages I read, and says, hey, I want you to send this person off. And because just like us, we're like, so is that God? Is that what I ate last night? Did I hear him right? I'm sure they wrestled with it too. They prayed a little longer just to like make sure that we hear God right. And they talked about it and they wrestled with it. We're not really sure of the timeline there, but then they sent him off. And it, it, it forces me to ask the question in the midst of how we do church. What's the role of prayer in our life? In this area, one of the things, you know when you get those moments as, as, as a, a follower of Jesus, you'll have moments in your church life that just stick out for you. Something happens, somebody says something, and it just stays with you. One of those moments is kind of around this conversation. Um, years ago when we were in Ottawa, one of the things we did was there would be a teaching, and then we'd have like a um, question and answer conversation. Because sometimes it turned into a bit of a conversation. And so it wasn't always me answering. There'd be people talking in the midst of the, of the group. And, you know, we had a smaller group, so it was good for that. And, and, and our, we were talking about one of the questions that was asked is, why don't we see the power today that we see in the book of Acts? We see these, the earth shake. Do we see that today? And so we wrestled around that. And there's a number of things that, you know, we can go for coffee and talk about that conversation uh, another time. But the thing that sticks out for me is someone said, well, I can tell you the one thing that I see. This is one of our other leaders. And she spoke up and, and, and said, you know, we, we hunger for God to move. We want that to move. But to be honest, I really don't want to spend the night in prayer. And she was wrestling and challenged us in this, that moment to, like, how committed are we to seeking first the kingdom of God? And what's that look like? And we were wrestling through that as a community and, and asking, what, what do, do, is God calling us to pray through the night? What's that look like? I'm not saying that's what we should do here. I'm not saying we need to do groups. I, I think we need to wrestle with it and wrestle with what is God calling us to do today 
But it was one of those moments there's just kind of this hush. And where, you know, I think a communal sense of, hey, God's pushing us somewhere here for that community and wrestling through that. Well, let's face it, right? Like, I've led prayer groups and you might get, what, three, four people come to them and like, that's just the reality of what happens. Now, one of the things I challenge people always, because they'd be like, oh, we need to pray more as a church. I said, actually, I think we do. Because do, do you know that, that there's home gatherings that happen where people pray in, the, in groups? Do you know there's, there's relationships that happen where people are praying for each other uh, on a weekly basis through that? We might not see it. But trust me, the church is praying. And the church is moving. But what we do see in the example of the book of Acts is... The church is always gathering and praying and then God moves. And I think we need to wrestle, what's that look like today? What's God calling us today? Here's another one is, it, that jumps off that, is, is church gatherings had lots of prayer. Uh, prayer usually freaks people out. Prayer's okay if, you know, I loved what Steve did this morning and praying for us and praying for a community. We're okay with that, but don't let silence happen. Don't ask me to pray. Heck, I've been in pastor meetings with pastoral leaders, and they're like, okay, let's pray. Who wants to pray today? And they'll look at me. Everyone turns around. Nobody want, I, we're leaders. It shouldn't be an issue. I'll share a moment, a little tip that you can use in those moments. We're, we're all there. But every time they gathered, they prayed. When they had coffee after service, I don't know if they had coffee after service, but we have coffee after service. What if, what if we prayed for each other? What if that became some places of prayer? What if we just had a regular, you know, month, we check in with people and started, and, and hey, what can I pray for you this week? What's that look like? See, those are the things we need to, to wrestle with. By the way, don't go to Pastor Paul and start saying, we need more prayer in our meetings. It's not his job. It's our job. It's our job to pray for each other. It's our job to, to, to those who are sitting around to be able to say, hey, can I pray for you this week? Or when they just start talking about their week, pray for them. Often we need to be quiet and we need to pray. And we see in the life of the church that prayer, when they gathered, prayer was a central part of that experience. So let us not rush and be afraid of it. The last thing that I'll note before I give some next steps, there was a foundational belief that God is good and that God communic that communication with God is possible. There was a foundational belief that God is good and communication with God is possible. Can I tell you when you're in the darkness, communication with God doesn't seem possible. When you're in the tomb and you wonder, where the heck is God? And you can't see through. When you're in the midst of a year of transition and chaos, trust me, I've asked God, what did we just do? Where are you? Do you even hear me? See, those are normal parts of the journey. But Jesus went to the cross rose from the dead that we would have access to the Father. Now, I forget the passage, but it just came to mind. You've got to help me out here. In the book of Hebrews, 
There's a passage that talks about this. Some shut it out if you can remember it. But how we have, we, have, we now have, we can go confidently before the throne. May I remember that? I'm totally calling you out on this, but over here. Do you know the passage? Sorry, I'm double deaf. We approach confidently. Yeah. Dude, you should come up here and preach. You got that on right there. So thank you very much. We can approach with confidence. That's what Christ has done. And they weren't afraid of it. You know, when we gather in our circles and everybody does this because nobody wants to pray because we're nervous about what everybody else thinks about, it's not always about. We get to approach the throne with confidence. There's this fundamental belief God is good and hears us. And as a church, we have to remind each other about that, that God is with us. I don't know about you, but I forget that. And sometimes I wonder. And God designed us to say, hey, I'm here. I'm with you. I'm leading. Sometimes I have to pray, Lord, give me the eyes to see because I can't see. Let me give some, some next steps. See, the disciples took what Jesus taught in the Lord's Prayer and they ran with that. And they incorporated it into their life and they watched him and they gathered, they continued to pray. You ever wonder, uh, uh, just before I jump in, like, what was it like to sit in a prayer meeting with Jesus? You know, I can't imagine to, to listen to him and watch him. We just get to read the text, but there's something, man, they had a privilege in that moment. And I think there's something I know in my life and I really believe for the church, there's something more that we can move into as a people together. Because prayer is not just individual, it's a communal experience that we do together. So here's, here's the first. I'm going to give a couple of next steps. You can't do them all. Maybe there's one that is like, hey, that's something I can work on. Or maybe there's nothing and I would just say listen to the Spirit and see what he's, he's pushing you to today. It may have nothing to do with what we're talking about. Just walk that road, though. So here's the first thing, is commit to the daily office of prayer for 30 days. Commit to the daily office of prayer for 30 days. What's that look like? I always believe in keeping it simple. So three times a day, morning, lunch, supper, or bedtime, depending on what's easier, at least sometime at night, you're going to have a set time to pray. Now, what's that look like? Whatever you want. Maybe it's filled with scripture. Maybe it's a, a time of reading. I, I used to do the Lord's Prayer at, at noon and, and where it was part of the ritual. And so I would, I would go, there's another prayer I would do. There's two, two prayers I would do. And then I would sit in, in five minutes of silence and then go on with my day. So it could, it could be something like that. Play around with it. Learn, learn what works for, for, for your rhythm. Maybe you have a prayer journal that, that, that you keep. Uh, if you're looking for something, I, I snagged this off the back. Um, there's a table out there with people that volunteer every week. Yay, volunteers. Um, so make sure you say hi to them. But there's this little book called The Undivided Life, uh, Retreat in, in Daily Life, a 30-day experience in practicing spiritual disciplines that draw us closer to God. Maybe use that. There's a whole bunch of stuff to walk you through each day. It's something to do. Um, to be honest, I kind of was like a start and go with it. 
but it's still here and, and I'll come back to it and I've totally gone out of order. And, but just put it in my practice and trying to get going again in my, my, my own journey. And, and I would add this, if you're going to do this one, don't do it alone. Find someone to partner with. Now, it doesn't mean at noon, you know, morning, noon, and supper that you have to, like, actually meet with them. But here's what I would suggest. Commit together to doing it, and then once a week get together and talk about your experience. Or maybe you come up with people to pray, for, pray, pray together about or for. But something that you could do together. By the way, this is wonderful because it's not dependent on some leader in the church to do. This is the church just being the church and just praying together. And you get to grow and develop. And I would say push yourself. If you sit out at five minutes, can you make it to ten minutes? Include some times of silence in the midst of that. The second maybe potential next step for you is um, I want to talk to the families for a moment. Those who have children. Particularly younger children. If they're adult children, this gets a little uh, harder, though they might be at home, so why not try, I guess. Um, Is uh, what does prayer look like for your family? As parents, we are the biggest influencer amongst our kids. doesn't matter what's going on in the world, we have the biggest influence on, to our kids. So first, we have to do it, practice it. We don't do it so it'd be like, oh, I'm going to pray here because my daughter's going to walk by and I want her to see me. No, no. If they find you praying or, st- you know, do that, that's, that's great. But just you do it. You learn to practice it. But I want to encourage you for our families, what's this look like in your home? And one of the things that has worked for us where we have brought it in is we use supper time where we will, we will pray. We got, there's six of us in my family, so we each get uh, one day and then there's a, a wild card that, that exists. It's kind of anybody, whoever dad picks that day. And, and, and there's two things that we've done. One of them is, is uh, we've helped them try to come up with the words to say and how to do it. And trust me, you know, I got three of them here with me today, so I got to be careful I don't embarrass them too much. Um, they say the same stuff over and over every week anyways. Be okay with that. If it's the same three things every week or every day they pray with, it doesn't matter. We're teaching the discipline and the priority of prayer in the relationship. The other thing we've done, which I, I really enjoy, is we taught our kids the Lord's Prayer. And we said it a million times over and over, and they messed it up. Sometimes dad messed it up. And then the kids would make fun of dad because he got the words wrong, which was wonderful because I knew they, they, they remembered <laughs> what it was. But maybe you just, when you give grace and thanks for the food, just do the Lord's Prayer until you learn it. Maybe there's another prayer you can use. But those are simple things we can do to teach our kids the practice of it. And don't be afraid to ask your kids, what can you pray for? And yes, you'll get the rolling eyes and all of that. Especially as they more get older. Ask them anyways. And then if they give you something, follow up with them. Make sure you do that. Here's the last thing. Is, uh, I just labeled it community prayer because I don't have a better title. So I'm just, just bear with me on this for a moment. So much of the book of Acts, when we trace how did prayer happen, there was a lot of two people. There are definitely moments it's individual, but a lot of it is two people or more that are praying together, which means prayer is part of our life as the community. So I'm going to give this challenge. Can you take 10 minutes out of your week to pray for somebody? There's two parts to this. You can choose which one you do. The first one is 
What if you did 10 minutes this week to pray for one person, one family, one individual? Maybe you're sitting by them today. Make sure you get their name. And just pray for them. Pray God's blessing in their life. I don't know what to pray. Ask them. I don't know how to pray. Pray that all of God's goodness comes into their life. Their dreams and, their, their, and they, they get all their dreams and joy in life. Just pray blessing and goodness into them. I'm going to show you an example in a moment where you can use scripture. But the second thing I would, I would say is this. As a community, when we're out having coffee, for last week we had a barbecue. Thank you to those who cooked up food and all of that. And conversations are happening and somebody says something. Don't let those moments go by. Don't offer advice. Say, I might know. I really want to say something here that tells you what you should do. Stop that. Say, can I pray for you? Say, I might have something to suggest, but I think that we should pray first. And just keep it short, to the point, and ask for wisdom. If you need to share something, you can share it, but always add the caveat, but you need to figure out what to do. This is my experience. But just invite Jesus into it. And I'm convinced it will transform us as a people. So today when you're out for coffee, because after service we're going to do coffee, so you aren't going to run off to whatever's next, give yourself 15 minutes, okay? If you've got kids, just kind of forget about them for a moment. Let them play and run in the gym. Parents are like, well, you can do that? I do it all the time. I don't know if you can do it, but I do it. <laughs> Grab a coffee and get to know somebody. Get their name and say, hey, I'm going to pray for you this week. So I'll give that challenge. Just pray for somebody. Don't call them or text them every day. Maybe you get their cell number, and here's what you would do. Just text them and just say, hey, I'm praying for you today, and leave it at that. Just remind them. Maybe there's a Bible verse you send. The goal is to encourage and pray God's, God's blessing in their life. Now, here's, here's the tip. You'll look like a genius because everyone's like, I don't know what to pray. If you got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter, uh, what is that, 3. Ephesians chapter 3. You want to bookmark this. So this is a pastor tip, okay? Pastors aren't geniuses. They just got good systems. When I was a pastor, I had a bunch of scriptures that I would always go to and I would use. Thankfully, not everybody remembered. Didn't you read that with, that with that person over there? Yeah. But it's okay. It's God's word. And I still believe it. And I use it in my own life. So sometimes I would share scripture that I was using in my own life in the day. But these are by, you've got to have some go-to. So I'm going to give you a go-to. A passage, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. You want to write that down. Ephesians 3. You know, if you're with, with a loved one, text it to the other person. We need to remember this. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21, and use that passage as, an exa- as a, a, a jumping off point. You can literally just pray it over somebody, or you can use the words, which I'll sh- I'm going to close with, you can use the words to just guide your prayer. So now you never have the excuse of, I don't know what to pray for. Boom, just pull this out. And if you've got a Bible, you look really important. You can official. You can hold it out. It's there. And you can read it. And you're, it looks like you're prepared. You're just using a good tip. You can go and teach somebody that. You can pray this prayer over your kids. You can pray it over your neighborhood. You can pray it over your church. You can use this all over the place. And adjust it. See what the Spirit stirs within you as you go. So this is something you want to do. So I'm going to close, 
close with that. I just wanted, I got a little quote from Richard Foster. He's one of the authors I like to, to read. Richard Foster says this, of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most central. Of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most central because it, it ushers us into perpetual communion with God the Father. Of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most central because it ushers us into perpetual communion with God the Father. That's its role. To bring us into communion. I hope today that that has been part of your journey. That you've been able to, whatever is going on in life, be able to pause and just listen for God. That's, I know Steve's desire as he leads us in music and the band that's up here is to be able to provide space because music's part of our prayer life to just be with God, to just sit, to listen, to be refreshed. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. I am the living water. And our prayer for you is that, that that living water is just poured out today. So let me use Ephesians 3 to close us off. But I'm going to start with just a couple of seconds, short seconds of silence. So don't get weirded out. Because it can weird us out. But it's a moment. If there's a burden on you, just take that to Jesus. Forget about me and take that to Jesus. But there's a moment here to just say, Lord, here I am. I need you. And to listen, invite him to your family today. Let us pray. Lord, we bow before you from whom our identity comes from. You are our Father, our Savior, our guide. As one of the apostles said, where else would we go? Lord, I pray for New Life Church. For those that are here today, those that are at home today, those that are not able to be with us, I pray that according to your riches, your glory, that you would grant us strength with power through your spirit in our inner being. That with Christ, we would dwell, you would dwell in our hearts through faith. Father, that we would be rooted and grounded in love. Holy Spirit, help us to be, to be sorry, strengthen us and help us to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. Let us be filled with the fullness of God in this moment today. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think.
according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you to the guys at the back and to uh, the worship team up here this morning who uh, led Paul, uh, not Paul, Paul's sick, and at least he better be sick. Um, <laughs> if you're watching Paul, hi. <laughs> uh, to Steve for your leadership, Steve asked if I could close off, and so here's how I, uh, we prayed for you. Use that passage in your life. Maybe just sit on it this week and say, Lord, what do you got for me? And I want, he, he said, make sure you're reminded of coffee. And I already mentioned coffee earlier. This is big for me is communion or community. Communion is a big deal too, but <laughs> community is what I meant to say. Don't rush off. It's raining anyways. You're just going to get wet. So stay for 15 minutes, have coffee, get to know somebody, find that person you're going to pray for this week and say hi to somebody. Ask them how their week was. What's going on? If you don't know who they are, then you got a whole list of things. You say, I don't know who you are. Tell me about yourself. And just have coffee or tea. I think there's even water out there. Do we get any snacks today, Steve? Or just no snacks today? All right. Someone's got to go baking for next week. Um, God bless you. Stay focused on him this week and uh, have, a, have an amazing week. Take, take care. We are dismissed. <laughs>